Gymnastics. Outage. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is animal news. <laughs> this is from Yahoo. Uh, and I, I don't know how to pronounce this word, but I'm going to try. Uh, Bidaloid rotifer survives 24,000 years frozen in Siberia. And that is a, I don't, I assume that's the scientific name of this animal. And it's spelled B D E L L O I D. So I don't really know how you pronounce Spe- Spell it again B D E L L O I D. So it's like deloid, but with a B in front. Okay. So I just said budeloid. <laughs> but I don't know if it's like a silent B, if that's a thing. I would lean toward it being a silent B, but I don't think, I don't know any other word with a silent <laughs> B at the beginning like that. I mean, I, the, right. okay, like the word like debt has a silent B. Yeah, or like numb. There's a lot yeah. of silent Bs in the English language, but not at the beginning. At the beginning of, of the word. <laughs> okay, okay, so for, for my sake, I'm just going to call it Deloid Rotifer. Okay. Um, and we will go with that. Um, or it might be Rotifer. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> this is a microscopic multi-celled organism that has returned to life after being frozen for 24,000 years in Siberia, wow. according to new research. Scientists dug up the animal known as a del- deloid rotifer from the ala... ala- <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? Alayiza, <laughs> Ali- Alayiza River in the Russian Arctic. Uh, once thawed, it was able to reproduce asexually after spending millennia in a state of frozen animation known as cryobiosis. Cryobiosis, not cryobiosis. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait. Cryobiosis. There's a lot of make... word-related questions in this story. <laughs> yeah. um, previous research said that they could survive frozen for up to ten years, but <laughs> this new study published in Current Biology on Monday suggested they could actually last for thousands of years, if not indefinitely. Hmm. So that's a pretty large leap from 10 10 to all of them. (laughs) Um, Radiocarbon dating aged the uh, deloid rotifer species at between 23,960 and 24,485 years old. Wow. Um, And I'll never understand when you have a range like that, why they go to like the ones place. (laughs) Just like. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Like, do they know to that level of specificity? I don't think so. But because they don't, because it's a range. So, like, by definition, they don't know to that. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, I I, I don't know. (laughs) Why? (laughs) The scientists say more research is needed to know how it achieves this feat. Um, But these. Deloid rotifers are a class of rotifer found in freshwater environments around the world. They kind of said that like you're supposed to know yeah, what I, a rotifer is. I was going to make it. I'm like, yeah, okay, rotifers. Yeah, yeah you know. I know what those are. Yeah. Um, they're apparently known for their ability to withstand extremes. So similar to a tardigrade, actually, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. At least in, in terms of that, they don't look anything like them. Um, they look like a little blob. It's really not much to look at. Okay. Um, they are one of the Earth's most radioactive-resistant animals, and they can also withstand low oxygen, starvation, high acidity, and years of dehydration, and apparently also being frozen for 24,000 years. So, yeah, the deloid rotifer, probably, or bedeloid rotifer. <laughs> it's really, it's impossible to say. 
Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Do we have to add this to our list of uh, things that might be an alien, or? Huh. That's should a good we, question. Should they, we not? Or they found it in a river. Not that that means anything in this. <laughs> uh, if it can stay frozen for that long, I mean, it seems pretty alien to me. Although, can't like viruses do that too? Yeah, but viruses aren't alive, and this thing is alive. Oh. Yeah. So. So that's different. So it's different. I will ponder this. Okay. We'll consider okay. adding it. I think the main reason we wouldn't is because I will not remember its name after this episode. Yeah. Sorry to the Deloitte Rotifer. <laughs> okay. My first story is sports news. The fifth time ever. <laughs> <laughs> A rare occurrence yes. on Knickknack News. Okay, this is from olympics.nbcsports.com, and the headline is, Simone Biles wins seventh U.S. title more than any woman in history. Woo! 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 So this just happened over the weekend, uh, last weekend, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be a week ago, um, and they say, a, with a career oozing with historic achievements. Ew. Simone... I took the language from the article. I don't know why I should have maybe changed that. So <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen that word. Okay. Um, Simone Biles has once again raised the bar uh, when she won the women's all around in the U.S. Gymnastics Championships, which concluded on Sunday in Fort Worth, Texas. So now with seven U.S. titles, Biles has more than any other woman in history. Uh, she was previously tied for six. Um, championship titles with Clara Schroth Lomadi, who won those titles between 1945 and 1952. And she is now tied with Alfred Joachim, a gymnast from the 1920s and early 30s, for most titles won by any American wow. gymnast, I think. They didn't specify, like, I think that they mean, like, in gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah. That makes like, sense. Like, sp- that sport only, not, like, anything. <laughs> right. Um. Simone Biles is 24 years old. Wow. And she has won every all-around competition she's entered since 2013. <laughs> she also has <laughs> That is wild. She also has four different moves named after her, like gymnastics like jump moves. I think I heard this because she's like the only one who's ever performed them. <laughs> yeah, because she's the only one that can do them. Right. So they're just named do you After think, her? Do you think she like and walks into a re- competition and everyone else is like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yes. And, you know, as somebody who turned 30 recently. <laughs> Same. And so did you. You know, I was reading this. By the end of this article, I was just like, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. What have I done with my life? What have I done with it? <laughs> I don't have one gymnastics medal. Much less seven. She's only 24. Like, I don't know how old I thought she was, but that is, she's so young yeah, I still. Knew, I knew she was young, so. And that's so amazing. Like, that's so amazing. So I actually looked up the moves that are named after her, because there's four of them, which is, like, crazy. So she has one on the vault, which is just called the Biles. Oh, okay. Um, which is, like, you know, like the dismount flips or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually described as a... Uh, Chang move plus an extra half twist. So I like I actually don't know, I don't know what the Chang is. But that must be named after somebody else. Yes. Or, yeah. 
Right. So she just like added an extra half twist on top, <laughs> and now that's the Biles. And then she has on the beam, there's another move also called Biles. But not the Biles. Just... Actually, the other one is also Biles. Oh. I think they're all just the Biles. Oh. We're gonna, we're, I'm just going to call them all the Biles. Okay, so on the beam, the Biles move is a double-double dismount, <laughs> which is a, a, uh, a double-twisting double backflip. So it's a, it's a two backflips while she also twists two times. Oh, my gosh. To get off the, the beam, dismount off the beam. Wait, so she... This is like in a single leap. Correct. She does two backflips while twisting. Correct. Oh my god. That's yes, a, that's what that is. She just defies gravity. A double double dismount. Um, <laughs> and then she has two moves named after her on the floor exercise. There's you, you probably guessed it. Is it the Biles. Just a a double layout half out. I don't know what that means. I watched it so I can kind of describe, but it's basically more of like, okay, it's okay. It's this one where she does like, like a head over heels flip. Okay. Like multiple times. Like she jumps up and flips in that direction, like two or three times and then like lands. So she does like th- multiple front flips in a row without touching the ground. Yes. That, what the, how does she do that? I don't know. I watched a video of it and I was like, this seems impossible for a person right. to do that one. It just doesn't seem like you should be able to get like the rotational momentum necessary, like from one single jump to be yeah. able to do that. But, I, but that's how strong she is. Yeah. It's amazing. And then the second one is called the Biles two. Okay. Which I'm like, could they come up it with something? It sounds like it's the Biles four. <laughs> or something the Biles two for the floor exercise. This one is a triple double. It is a double backflip with three twists in one jump on the floor exercise. Now, like, I I just explained that to you, and you're probably thinking, like, how is that even physically possible? I also think that. Yeah. There's videos of it. She's done it multiple times. Oh, because she does that one. She actually did that one in the most recent competition too, Mm because it's like her signature move now. Because literally, no one else can do it. Like, she is the only person that can do that move. So cool. (laughs) Isn't that cool? She she seems so cool. (laughs) It's. It's cool. Anyway, I, wow. I did a I did a mini deep dive into gymnastics when yeah. I was looking at this because I'm like I don't know anything about the details of these moves or whatnot. But I'm like she has appara- four moves. Yeah, under. but apparently all you have to do is just like do a bunch of flips in the air and you get a move. Yeah, I say it like it's easy. It's but now you know if somebody wants something named after them, they have to like flip four times or something. Right, and it'll be like so, a Biles with an extra half twist yeah. or something. And then whoever does that, that'll be named right. what it, they did. Spoiler, it's, it's, called, it's called the Biles Five. <laughs> and it's just her doing better than her own move. <laughs> it's just going to be her again. <laughs> yeah, that's probably likely. If she does that, do you think they just changed that to new, be the new that Biles? I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know this world. My next story is technology news. This is from NPR. Tuesday's internet outage was caused by one customer changing a setting, according to Fastly. Did you hear about this? Wait, there was a huge... No. There was a widespread internet outage. It it only lasted for about 50 minutes, so if you you weren't online in that time, you wouldn't have even noticed. Mm. Um, But it affected a lot of major websites. 
Um, and it sounds like the entire thing was caused by one of this company's customers changing a setting. And it literally brought down their entire system. Okay, I'm going to let you explain. Uh, yeah, there will and then be I'll more details. Questions. Um, but yeah, uh, so Fastly is the name of the company. They were hit by a major outage that caused many of the world's top websites to go offline briefly this week. Uh, and they blamed the problem on a software bug that was triggered when a customer changed a setting. <laughs> uh, the, the problem at Fastly meant internet users couldn't connect to a host of popular websites early Tuesday, uh, including the New York Times, The Guardian, Twitch, Reddit and the British government's homepage. So quite a few <laughs> significant That's, that's pretty, uh, yeah. I, that's pretty I think there were others too, like quite a few others. Uh, we experienced a global outage due to an undiscovered software bug that surfaced on, surfaced on June 8th when it was triggered by a valid customer configuration change, uh, said Nick Rockwell, Fastly's Senior Vice President of Engineering and Infrastructure. Uh, he said the outage was broad and severe, but the company quickly identified, isolated, and disabled the problem. After uh, and after 49 minutes, most of the network was up and running again. So it was they responded to it very quickly, mm -hmm. which credit them. But uh, the, they said the bug had been included in a software update that was rolled out in May, and the company is trying to figure out why it wasn't detected during testing. Um, so San Francisco-based Fastly provides what's called a content delivery network, which is an arrangement that allows customer websites to store data such as images and videos on various mirror servers or across 26 countries. Um, and keeping the data cl like physically closer to users means that it loads faster. So basically they provide a service where they store certain data for different websites on these servers around the world. Like store a copy of it mm. on different servers around the world, so that when a user tries to access their website, they retrieve the data from the closest copy of that website, um, and that increases the load times. Um, so that's what why it affected so many websites because they were all using the same service. Um, the article also points that the incident highlights how much of the global internet is dependent on a handful of behind-the-scenes companies like Fastly that provide vital infrastructure, and it amplifies concerns about how vulnerable, uh, vulnerable they are to more serious disruption. So you could see like how some like a more malicious attack could actually put a lot of the internet yeah. in danger for something like this. Definitely. Um, uh, yeah, it's just somebody changing a setting. It was apparently completely valid, except for the fact that it brought down the entire system. That is uh, not good. I don't know what else to say yeah. about that. Yeah. I hope I mean, it doesn't happen again. As somebody who developed software, I'm not surprised this could happen, honestly. <laughs> because, yeah. like, any time that you introduce configuration into a product you introduce another variable mm -hmm. and that just means like you have another like set of like every variable that you have. Like it's a, what's the yeah. word? Um, it's an exponentially, exponentially growing. Yeah. yeah. It's an exponentially, uh, exponentially growing like set of configurations that you have to test. Um, and this one clearly wasn't touched. Uh, the question I have is why, individual users settings aren't isolated from the rest of the network yeah. and why that would have an effect on the entire system. That's also that my question. Like why can one user me. do something that affects the entire, that shouldn't, that seems like 
just not something is wrong. <laughs> like that, I don't know <laughs> what their design is yeah. that that could that that could happen. But uh, right, they're probably scrambling to find a more permanent solution yeah. and yeah. making sure that it, that isn't the case for future uh, for future I, updates. I would imagine so. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. That just. Somebody changing a setting somewhere brought down like a bunch. Yeah, can you of imagine internet. if like Instagram like released a notice or something that's like, oh, this one person changed a setting on their account, and then our whole website yeah. went down and be like, like, what? Somebody liked a photo, and it happened to like make it a number of likes that just some, some edge case yeah. occurred, and it just brought <laughs> yeah. down all of it. Together. It was like, ah. <laughs> I don't know. Software is uh. hard. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's it's hard, it's, but uh, it's so complicated. Also, <laughs> some questionable design decisions. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. My next story is animal news. <laughs> this is from NationalGeographic.com, and the headline is two new species of cat-sized flying squirrel discovered in the Himalayas." Whoa. That's a big Yay. that's a big squirrel. <laughs> yes, yes it is. So, intrigued by some recent squirrel sightings in the Himalayas, <laughs> Christopher Helgen, chief scientist and director of the Australian Museum Research Institute, and his colleagues decided to dig deeper into the secrets of the mysterious woolly flying squirrel. This squirrel at 5 pounds and 3 feet long is one of the world's largest squirrels. It is also one of the least known mammals on Earth. First named 130 years ago, the cat-sized rodent was believed extinct until its rediscovery in the 1990s. So this research team began examining museum specimens and collecting data from sightings of the species. Um, And their results revealed that the woolly flying squirrel is actually two distinct species that live thousands of miles apart. The Tibetan woolly flying squirrel, or Eupetorus tibetensis, of course, yes, and the Yunnan woolly flying squirrel, Eupetorus nivamons. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce these. No, nailed it. First try, yeah, both, yeah, both of them. Yeah. Yep. Um, so those are the two. There's a Tibetan one and one that li- in, lives in Yunnan. So the first one lives at the intersection of India, Bhutan, and Tibet, and the latter lives thousands of miles to the east in the Yunnan province of southwestern China, Hmm. according to the study, which was published recently in the Zoological Journal of the Linnean Society. Um, And and they had a bunch of other details, too, which I'm not going to go over, but at the very end (laughs) of this article, just out of nowhere, they quote this guy, uh, John Kaprowski, who is apparently a squirrel expert. And I just want to bring this up. That is something... You can be. Yeah. <laughs> so add it to the list of cool jobs. We have to add that to our list because <laughs> they like interviewed him, and he was like, "This is so exciting," um, and this shows how there's like large animals. You know, we can still discover things even about large animals in the natural world and stuff. I'm just like, like out of nowhere, he squirrel wasn't involved expert. in the study at all. Nope. He's just a squirrel expert. He's the guy in you Wyoming. go to if you want to know about squirrels. Yeah, I mean, he is a unique. Mm-hmm. He has a unique position in this world. Honestly, that's probably a really good way to position yourself if you like study biology or something. It's like I'm going to be the expert of, I don't know, echidnas, and then just <laughs> yeah. 
That's actually and now legit. everybody comes to you with their questions about echidnas. And you just get quoted in like mm-hmm. National Geographic articles and exactly. stuff. Exactly. That is genius. Yeah. It, it's a really good way to become famous to a very select group of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If we stopped our lives and decided to become an expert biologist in one animal, what would you pick? Um, for some reason, I'm thinking emus. Really? I don't know why. I thought just, you would have picked like a sea animal, mind. like a marine animal, actually. That's true. There are a lot of really... See, the thing with sea animals, though, is I like a lot of them. I don't know. Yeah. Narwhals. That's it. Narwhals? Narwhals. Oh, yep. That's such an awesome an, choice. I would become a narwhal expert. Yep. You just needed to prompt me. I got, <laughs> I got there. I got there. I feel like I would pick some type of like falcon, like a peregrine falcon Ooh, or something like that. That'd be cool. You'd be a falcon expert. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that just be so cool? Like, yep, just yeah. be like, just always be wearing those gloves. <laughs> always have a falcon on each arm. Yeah. <laughs> they have a picture of you in the article, just like holding two falcons. Yeah. That would be just me. in a casual, like in a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to be. That sounds exciting. I couldn't have a narwhal on each arm, obviously. But you could be swimming with the narwhals. That's true. And take pictures with them. Yeah, that'd be cool. I like narwhals. My next story is dinosaur news. This is from CNET. Gargantuan dinosaur discovered in Australia is one of the largest ever discovered. Whoa. We got another big dinosaur. Yay. It's not the biggest, but it's pretty big. I'm excited. Uh, So 92 million years ago, a dinosaur informally known as Cooper died and was buried in the mud until 2007 when it was discovered near the small Australian town of Aromanga in southwest Queensland. So they just like kind of called it Cooper because they didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, After 14 years of research and analysis, the giant sauropod, known from leg and hip bones, is being described and officially named by its discoverers for the first time. The name is... Australotitan cooperensis. So they hmm. got Australia in there and they got Cooper in there. Um, a titanosaur that lived during the Cretaceous period 92 million to 96 million years ago. The name Australotitan means southern titan. And cooperensis represents the area where the fossil was discovered. They didn't say why it was why that represents the area where it was discovered because they didn't say what the name of the area was. <laughs> Like besides, okay. besides the town name, which was not Cooper. So I don't know. Anyway, um, the holotype specimen, that is the specimen used to describe this brand new species, is detailed in a paper uh, published in the journal Pier J on Monday by researchers from the Queensland Museum in Australia and the Aramanga Natural History Museum. So they kind of got snuck a little science fact in there. Holotype specimen just refers to the, spec- like the first of its kind that was used to identify something. <laughs> Um, Robin McKenzie, who is a paleontologist from the Aramanga Natural History Museum, said this new titanosaur is the largest dinosaur from Australia represented by osteological remains. Bones. Um, At almost 100 feet long, the creature was about the length of an Airbus A318 (laughs) passenger plane. I I don't know why that's so funny to me. That's 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 what they go with. Um, And they say it's taller than the tallest giraffe to have ever lived, um, which would have reached up to the dinosaur's hip. (laughs) 
Um, Whoa. So okay, barely that, even compares. <laughs> that is like a more yeah. a useful picture for me right. to realize I, how big this thing is. I think that tells you a is. lot more about its size. Um, yeah, the tallest giraffe ever would go up to its hip. Wow. And then it had like obviously a huge long neck and everything too. Um, based on other sauropod measurements, it likely weighed almost 70 tons, about 10 times more than an African elephant. That puts it in the top five heaviest sauropods ever discovered and within the top 15 for length. So again, not the biggest, but wow. still pretty big. Yeah. Um, the bones also suggest that after this dinosaur met its fate in the mud, other sauropods trampled on its bones, which is such a dark thing to include in this article. And it was just kind of thrown in there. <laughs> it's like, oh, also, uh, by the way, it was trampled to death. Uh, um, okay, well... Anyway, <laughs> it's a big dinosaur. Anyway, it's a big dinosaur, and we found it. And we found it, and it was trampled to death. <laughs> and that's fine. But now we have it in a museum. I think. Maybe. Hopefully. I'm sure it'll go into a museum. That's where it belongs. Mm-hmm. My next story is random local news. This is from the BBC.com. And the headline is, Brit saves twin sister by punching crocodile in the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. For a split second, I thought you were going to say they saved the sister by punching them. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. They punched a crocodile. That's exciting. So, 28-year-old twins Georgia and Melissa Laurie were swimming in a lagoon near Puerto Escondido, Mexico, on Sunday when Melissa was dragged underwater and attacked by a crocodile. Oh, my gosh. Which is crazy. That sounds so scary. Yeah. So while they were swimming, Melissa disappeared under the water, and then Georgia found her unresponsive and started to bring her back to the safety of a boat. And I think it, it, it seemed like it was implied, like, she didn't realize what had happened quite yet. Like, she just, like, saw her sister, like, went under the water and then, like, came up and wasn't, like, was, like, unconscious. And she was like, oh, something just happened, and then, like, was bringing her back. And then the crocodile started following them. Like, it was, like, swimming after them. Oh and she gosh. just started punching its face to keep it away. <laughs> and then, like, she just kn- knew that what to do. Like, apparently, like, she says, like, her, she just, her adrenaline kicked in and she just, like, did that confidently. Oh, my gosh. And kept it away from them and got back to the boat and got oh them gosh. to safety. Like, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's so scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so... They're both in a hospital now, I guess, and just being, like, treated for, their, for like, injuries. Like, Melissa, did, she was injured, but, like, they're both okay. Like, mm-hmm. from a general perspective right now, like, they're both okay. But, That's good. Yeah. Now this is, just like, all over the news of, like, this person was just, like, let me just hit it. Just punch <laughs> it. I'm just going to keep hitting just it. Punch, just keep like, punching well, it. Well, like, know. I guess I don't know what you would normally would do. In the, I mean, what else would you do in that situation? Like, Yeah, but, it's like you're not going to outswim the thing. Yeah, but I guess, like... I don't know. You could have. She could have like panicked and like not. No, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she she like now took control of the situation. Now that they're both okay, though, what a story to tell. <laughs> yeah. You could break um, that one out at any party. Yeah. That is. <laughs> people are gonna eat that up. Yeah. She she gets the uh, epic epic sister award for oh, like yeah, for that for one. Sure. Um, yeah. So apparently they had been on a trip that included volunteering and working in animal sanctuaries, like. <laughs> apparently a bunch not, of apparently places. not trying to save crocodiles. So they just happened to like I don't know what it didn't say what they were doing in this lagoon or if they were just like 
recreationally in the lagoon. I don't know, but yeah. but um, yeah. So yeah, wow. That happened. I, I I feel like that would not be my response to a crocodile. <laughs> I think I would be, be I would fall much more into the panic and like not know what to do and I guess yeah. get eaten. I don't. <laughs> well, I, so I don't know what I would do either because it's like it's one of those things that in when you're in the situation, right? You don't know how you would react, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I would probably just like freeze up, like what or yeah. or just try to swim away from it. Yeah, try to get away. You know. I don't think punching it but would be she my knew, first instinct. Which I think that was a good instinct. And Apparently, she was like, yeah. This was my instinct was to like do that. Mm-hmm. And it, like it kind of explained. It was like it didn't go away right away. Like it kind of like came up and then she like punched it and then it kind of like went and then it came back and then she like punched it again. Like she had to like, keep like <laughs> fighting it off. Like That's, dude, this person is like wow. so epic. I don't know. That crocodile was, like, was wow. persistent. Goodness. Yeah. So. Well, good job. All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Ready, set, go! go. All right, I found this on UPI. Bear rescued from rafters at Virginia Manufacturing Plant. Oh. And first I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. How did it That's, get up there? That is the correct reaction. I do not know, and neither do neither do they. <laughs> so, how the heck did it yeah. get up there? <laughs> they said wildlife wildlife officials in Virginia were summoned to a manufacturing plant when a bear somehow ended up stranded in the ceiling rafters. Um, they posted a, fo- a photo on Facebook of this bear about twenty feet off the ground without any clear method of climbing back down or any clear method of getting up there. I would say. Um, they said the workers at the at the plant were kept in the cafeteria while state biologists worked on a plan to safely remove the bear. Um, the uh, department said they used a uh, chemical immobilization dart, which is probably just like a tranquilizer, uh, to uh, keep the bear from struggling while they used heavy equipment, including a forklift, to bring it back down. It was examined by a veterinarian and found to be uninjured before being transported to a suitable site for police. Um, but yeah, they have no idea how it got up there. And I don't either. It's so it's so high up. I mean, I know they're good climbers, but sheesh, that's just like it just there's even, nothing to even grab onto. Right, that's the thing. It doesn't look like there's like a path to get up there. I don't know how it did it unless it like pulled itself, like jumped and pulled itself up somehow. But like, did it climb up like a pipe on the wall or something? Maybe, maybe that's I the only thing I can think of. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I wow. Really, yeah, and what? Why? Why? Uh, yeah. Also, why? <laughs> what was its motivation? Was there food up we there? Will, like the world may never know. Yeah, we probably won't. Bears, they crazy. Okay, this is a um, a story on CNN and also some other sources as well. France is sending a second Statue of Liberty to the U.S. Did you hear about this? No, because I hadn't already, until right now. We already had one. We do already have one from France. Did we break originally? It? Yeah, it's just a replacement. No. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess, like, it's a bronze statue replica of it, and it's named Little Sister. It's one-sixteenth the size of the world-famous one. Okay. And um, for some reason, it's going to be erected on Ellis Island. Um, okay. From July 1st to July 5th this year. Oh, just for but those then, days. But <laughs> then, I don't know if it's... 
gonna st- yeah like it's <laughs> for sure gonna be there then <laughs> it's gonna it's like a fourth of july thing um and apparently france has said this in a statement someone from france has said this we want to send a simple message our friendship with the united states is important particularly at this moment we have to conserve and defend our friendship um and yeah i guess that's I what know. the statue of liberty was about before yeah it's that's strange uh, the original one was sent in 1886. I'm trying to look in the, if they set, if they're going to take it back. Or yeah. Them. Where's it going? Like, um, why, why the limited date range? Oh, it's going to go to Washington DC after that. I guess. Oh, okay. okay. That, that so makes sense. It's going to be in New York for like 4th of July. Either there or Las Vegas. Probably makes Las sense. Vegas. <laughs> Cause there's like go the, to Las Vegas. the New York, there, New York one? hotel. I'm pretty sure. Isn't there already, like, a replica of it in I'm, Las yeah, Vegas? Yeah, probably. But okay, this one yeah, would be sent from France. This one would be more legit. Right. Yeah, so this says it's going to go to Washington, D.C., um, where it will be on display for 10 years at the French Ambassador's Residence. Okay. And then where's it going after that? I don't know. Why, is, why are there so many t- timelines? And then after that, they're know. going to perch it on top of the Washington Monument and see how long yeah. it stays up there. <laughs> Yeah, like, why is there a 10-year time frame set for this? Like, why isn't it just like, yeah, until we decide to move it yeah, again? Yeah, it's like, not like it's going to just disintegrate in 10 it's years. It's kind of a long time. Yeah. yeah. Strange. It's, it's kind of strange. Anyway. <laughs> yes, we're getting a second Statue of Liberty from France. Yay! Yay! Now we'll have one and one-sixteenth Statues of Liberty. Yeah. In this country. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.